Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Nick. Today we are going to talk about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but before we get to all of that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can let us know what you think of our show and the things that we talk about. You can go to MidwestPodcastNetwork.com to check out all of the other shows that we have, including Horror Movie Yearbook, uh, where they just recently talked about the remake of House of Wax from 2005, which was a great episode. Please go check that out. Uh, and the Midwest Gamers will have a new episode out this week to talk about Resident Evil 8. So please check that out as well. Um, and there are also bonus episodes of both of those shows that you can get first early access to a whole week early than the rest of the world if you go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash midwestpodnet or mpn.bz if you want to use less characters to get there. Uh, subscribe for just a dollar a month to get that early access, or you can subscribe for $5 a month and you can chat with us in our Discord at any hour of the day. I'll usually respond to you as quickly as I possibly can. Um, but yeah, I think that's all the, uh, all the, uh, you know, housekeeping, I suppose. Uh, Nick, I, we haven't been on a podcast alone in a very long time. It has been a while. I can't yeah. even remember when that last uh, alienist would have been. Oh, that feels... was the most recent. I was thinking it was Westworld for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like the alienist feels like it could have been like four years ago and it could also have been like <laughs> a month ago. So I don't really know. Uh, let me even look. <laughs> I'm going to go to the website, which is the alienist TV. Uh, uh, go well. Check it out. Uh, August 29th was our season two wrap up episode last year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man, that feels like it was years ago at this point, which is very strange. But yeah, anyway, yeah, it does. 2020 is there's a weird wormhole that happened in there where we were able to get a lot done. And yet it feels like it took forever. Yeah, for sure. But uh, no, it's just us today. Unfortunately, uh, we had some technical difficulties with uh, with with our third host, uh, and hopefully, we'll be able to get uh, you know Willie and Tim back on soon enough uh, with whatever we decide to discuss in the future. Oh, and Horror Movie Yearbook is going to be covering Army of the Dead, uh, the new Zack Snyder joint. So please, uh, get oh, that that's exciting. Yes, yeah, it's a it's a new movie on horror movie yearbook for people to go check out. They don't do that very often on this uh-uh. show, um. So please make sure you check that out for the the latest and greatest. Meanwhile, we're gonna go back and talk about a TV show from a few few weeks ago, right? But uh, <laughs> with just two people, yeah, instead on, of the the three or four that we had planned on the film nerds, we talk about the uh, the Disney Plus TV show. But uh, no, that's so it's a special. This is a special. Let's rewind. This is a special episode. Yes. 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 This is a this is a, a one time a one off uh, special engagement with the founder and the yeah, I should have thought this through sooner. The TV expert, because those are the other podcasts that you're a part of. Yes. On the, network. Uh, the founder and the TV expert will be covering <laughs> the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yes. Uh, so have you been watching anything of note that you, know, you would like to speaking discuss? Speaking of TV, I, I posed this question to Willie and Gojo the other day. I, I asked them, and, and this was a pure shower thought, but it happened while I was just driving. So <laughs> I, I must have been zoned out in just the right way. But I thought, why do we say that actors are on TV, but they're in movies? Ah, huh. I legitimately don't 
think I've come across this question before and it's been buried in my subconscious. I think it like literally just organically occurred to me. This is a great food for thought question from uh, the early film nerds days. I would, I would mm. say I, I had a theory that it, it, it derives from like watching something on the TV set. Yeah. Like you go into the movies, you go into the movie theaters, like we're going to the movies, but we're watching something that's on the TV was my guess. But that's where my, that's where my head was kind of at too. I, you're making me think it would be fascinating to kind of look at the, look at the different, uh, you know, I was just listening to a show. I think it was probably still watching one of the shows that they were, they were talking about. Could have been, could have been, uh, you know, they've been talking about Mare of Easttown and, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and stuff like that. But I think one of them mentioned the idea that like any of the people, no, it was probably the blank check podcast, but it was any, like any of the old timers in the movie business and the film, the film industry usually talk about working on shows rather right. than working on a movie, uh, which people is still like, say that in the, in the industry. Yeah. So like what, what, why is it called a show to, and why is it a show to those people that are working on it as opposed to, you know, like obviously it's a production that they're like a part of and they're putting on, but like the different, um, I don't know. It's like a weird etymological study of like, why do we call these things the things that we call them? I mean, yeah, I'm always fascinated by that. What is, uh, what does this, the silver screen refers to the movie or is that a TV show? Have you ever heard that? Silver silver screen was for, for move for a theater. It was like a, for a movie theater. Yeah. And I'm imagining it's because the screen actually was, had like a silvery, uh, tint to it or some sort of coating that probably picked up the light better. Yeah. Like a better reflective. Yeah. Kind of. It's my guess. Yeah. So like, if you, I feel like you, you'll hear about somebody appearing on the silver screen for the first time. Yeah. Uh, which is on and not in, but. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh-huh. But, it, but also I, I guess I was also kind of wondering like it, maybe the person is in a movie because they're like in the film, like literally captured in the film in the Whereas, computer. Yeah. yeah. The it's in the computer. Um, but a movie is shot on film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this may, this may just boil down to English being a very strange language. Is this and another episode of I love? Films? <laughs> I think this is an episode of I love linguistics. <laughs> <laughs> and well the film industry in general has their own language like there there are so many bizarre terms and so many uh, i remember back in the day seeing a, a book like a book about like movie making it was called kill the baby strike the blonde and uh those are terms for lighting mm. and it's just uh, it might have even been a glossary on just like film language because you could write you could write a book about it that's probably what it was well and that that stuff always baffled me looking at the credits of like who what's a key grip and who's the best boy and like what do these people actually do like i think it it would always be fun to like learn more about that stuff i think with the grip it's like you know the people that are we're literally like holding lighting or you know uh audio stuff like the microphone or the boom or whatever that type of stuff but like uh obviously like the film industry the technology of it all has changed in a lot of ways that like those things don't mean the same thing anymore <laughs> kind of yeah they i mean they yeah they the people still go by the same titles but the the reason that they were called that in the first place isn't uh i'm sure most people don't even know like we don't yeah. know and 
I'm sure you could look it up and there's probably something kind of interesting about it. But yeah, things just have funny names and, you know, they usually are appropriate. Like you hear somebody call something that and you're like, okay, cool. That's what that is. But mm-hmm. even within the industry, some things are slightly regional. Like people in, in the eastern part of the country or specifically the kind of the northeast uh, New England area, New York might have certain terms they use. Whereas in the rest of the country in LA, it's uh, it's something else. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it that's, is. Uh, it's cool. that's a preview of our next podcast, the linguistics of film. But if we have uh, anybody listening who is from another country or is fluent in another language, uh, I'm, I'd be curious to know if there's the same distinction between on TV and in, in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the, um, those would be prepositions, right? On and in. And so I wonder how much that, like, uh, I'm trying to like, even like, a. We never got to the point in my Japanese class where we would talk about movie stars being in movies or things. So I can't even reference that part of my knowledge. But if anybody's out there, yes. Yoop, if you're listening, please let us know. Dave Steele, if there's any like down river parlance for, you know. Dave probably speaks like two other languages. That's that's pot. I mean, he's, he's probably taking Italian. <laughs> I was going to say he's halfway to Italian if uh, <laughs> if he's not there already. So yeah, I would be interested to hear. So yeah, really, I'm I'm always we've we've talked about this before too. Uh, I I think language is really interesting and and the way that mm-hmm. it evolves and changes and uh, yeah, I I would be curious to know uh, others others thoughts on that. The other food for thought. I'm sitting at my desk as we record this and I have a post-it note on my desk. I have a lot of post-it notes and I have one that just has the numbers 45 and 46 written on it. And I do not have any idea why. (laughs) (laughs) Very orderly. They're in like the beginnings of a column, 45 and below it is 46. There is literally nothing else written on this one. Uh And I have no idea when it's from or why I wrote those two numbers down. (laughs) So if anybody has any theories on the significance of 45 and 46. Oh. Are these wow. was I did I think of a Hitman prequel uh film that I was working on? Yes. I don't know. I don't think that's it. But I do like that idea. Uh I just uh I just popped the 4546 into Google and this uh came up with <laughs> 454690 triangle. Which does not make sense because that's too many degrees for a triangle. And then all of the results are saying 45, 45, 90 triangle, which is a right triangle for those who want to know that. But uh, yeah, 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 I don't know. That's interesting. Let us know feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. What does 45, 46 uh, potentially belong to? Yeah, there's not a plus or a minus sign. It's not any sort of beginnings of any sort of equation that I can figure out. Are they coordinates? I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't want to give them free press, but 4546 Fine Men's Apparel is a website. Oh, that's that's not it, but I might check it out later. <laughs> it <laughs> Maybe it's like, a sign. Maybe they have some like good stuff. Uh, there's Isaiah 4546 from the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't think that's it either. <laughs> what does it say, Alex? <laughs> uh, here it says, uh, this is what the Lord said to his anointed. <laughs> We're doing the Midwest everything nerds today. <laughs> you guys got the everything bagel episode here with us. Oh yeah. Yep. We said it was going to be shorter, but really it's going to be long. It's just going to be way long. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Nick, what have you been watching on the TV? 
Oh, this is long, Isaiah forty five forty six. It is very long. Yeah, okay. I, I could have kept going, but uh, interesting. They're the beginning of forty six is talking about gods of Babylon, and I just finished reading East of West, the comic, and Babylon is a character in that, and it's very good. And you know what? I'm going to talk about that for a hot second because uh, it was optioned by I think Amazon to adapt into a TV series, mm-hmm. and I had read the first. I own the first two volumes. There's 10 total trade paperbacks. Um, I'm sorry. What was this called? East of West by man. God, Jonathan Hickman. Ah. And uh, I've had the two volumes for quite some time. And the first, I think four or five are available on Comixology Unlimited. And I've reread the first two probably like six times. And I read the first four volumes probably twice in that. In uh, along with those included in those six, I just kept rereading it, rereading it. And I was like, well, I don't want to, I, it was hard for me to just think about dropping the money on the remaining volumes. Mm-hmm. But I was reading this article during the pandemic about people supporting libraries. And I was like, I wonder if they have it at the library. And uh, sure enough, I was able to put it on hold and they brought it in from a few other neighboring libraries. And so I was able to pick up the remainder of the series. And so I just kind of read through the rest of it, finally finished it. It's 45 issues long. Uh, if you're a fan of intense world building and information being withheld until you absolutely need it and then it being revealed. So basically, if, if you like to know everything that's going on at all times and you're very upfront, you probably won't like it very much. But if you kind of like, uh, you know, it, it almost could be kind of a good companion to like a, kind of a West world where you know enough mm. of what's going on to be able to follow the story and not be upset. But there's a lot that you're going to be, you're going to finish some issues and be like, man, what was that about? Or who's that character? Or I wish I knew more about that event that they're referencing. And then all it will be revealed eventually. <clears throat> I think it's very good. The art is just so sweet and it's consistent uh, throughout. It's Jonathan Hickman writing the whole thing. And Nick Dragota is the uh, artist and they created it together. And it's, it's really cool. It's like a sci-fi Western political intrigue uh, with the shooting. And uh, it's about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And it's about, the end of the world and it's it's crazy it's like revision an alternate history where okay. uh, it's really 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 it's it's about a lot but it's very cool anyway uh i think it was amazon that optioned it and yeah uh it says amazon studios skybound entertainment and hickman are developing an hour-long series based on the property yes uh, and so that skybound is uh robert kirkman of uh of uh, right. walking dead fame yeah i really hope that I think it was relatively not too long ago, maybe like a year ago that they said that they had decided to not move forward with it. And I am, excuse me. I'm pretty disappointed to hear that now that I've, excuse me, now that I've finished reading it, I really see the potential. And I think it could be if adapted properly. And if, especially if Kirkman's involved, it could be the next game of Thrones because Mm -hmm. the level of there's, there's a lot, I would say game of Thrones is largely a, a show about politics and uh, yeah. I think East of West is just as much. And there are some characters in East and w- East of West that can h- hold up toe to toe with some of the most nefarious and interesting characters from Game of Thrones. And uh, I think if adapted well and with Hickman's involvement and Kirkman on board and uh, some good showrunners that can take it to, into the television format, I think it could be a killer. It could be really good and it could be another giant like crossover hit with uh, you could find a mainstream audience. But Sadly, we may never find out. 
but I hope somebody else like a Netflix or, uh, or HB, it would, man, it would, it would just soar on HBO. It would be so good. Yeah. Um, no, that would so, be cool. Yeah. But it I've, seems like- uh, I heard great things about invincible on Amazon, which is, yeah, I started reading that joint. as well. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. And that's really good. I'm, I'm probably five volumes into that. There's 10 on Comixology unlimited, uh, volumes one through 10, 11 through 20. It's a really long running series. It went forever. Uh, are not on Unlimited, but you can obviously purchase them. Uh, but that's great. Uh, it's one of those comics that has an insane amount of hype around it. And I started mm-hmm. reading it. I was like, I don't know if this is going to live up, but it is very, very good. It's very, very good. And I, I want to start watching it on Amazon now. Yeah, I uh, long time listeners know that I can't read, so I might just watch the TV show. But yeah, um, from what I understand, it's it's a really good adaptation, and in some way, it has improved some things. So. Nice. Uh, I don't think you could go wrong doing that. I just I like to try to to read it first and uh, and then you know carry that with me into the show as well documented on our several podcasts where we cover <laughs> written words <laughs> adapted into TV shows. Yeah. But as far as what I've actually been watching, uh, I my wife and I have resumed watching Law and Order: Organized Crime, and it remains a very very good show, like shockingly good considering it's a law and order like law and I think we all can kind of somewhat agree the law and order is entertaining but is it good it's you know it could be debated and it, svu has so gone much on, of it i feel like the quality is. varies yes you know? and svu has i think jumped the shark a long time ago because it was a when when organized crime premiered it was like kind of a, a crossover you could watch both and it is like Going from uh, regular law and order to organized crime is like when you get out of the hot tub and jump at the pool. It was mm. like shocking how different <laughs> it was and how much better organized crime was. It just is shot so much better. It's directed so much better. Uh, it's acted so much better. It's written better. Like it's it's staggering how much better it is. Like it's a very, very quality show, uh, which is awesome. It's got Christopher Maloney uh, is so good in it. Dylan McDermott is kind of the, the antagonist of it, and he's awesome. Uh, even Mariska Hargitay is better in that than she is in SVU. It's pretty wild. So watch them back to back and think she, she's just turning in a better performance in organized crime. It's weird. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, it's it's actually really good. I can genuinely recommend it. I think if you weren't a fan of SVU to begin with, uh, you would be totally fine to step into it. It doesn't require a whole lot. The, having some knowledge of the existing characters helps, but you certainly don't need it. And the story is pretty relevant. It's actually a little bit too relevant at times because the kind of the, the main source of the, the villain's income is... Uh, well, he's like does like illegal pharmaceutical type stuff. But there's a lot of COVID stuff throughout the show, mm. and uh, I'm really wary of that. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, th- I feel like there have been a lot of shows that talk about COVID and they adapted the pandemic into what's going on in the show. There's people wearing masks. There's conversation about it, and I often really was kind of put off by it because I thought you're really dating it really hard, like insanely hard, and you're also yeah. talking about something that none of us want to talk about or watch entertainment about. 20, in 2020, we did not want to go consume stories about other people suffering what we were all suffering through. Like, we yeah. wanted to escape. It's like during the Great Depression, movie theaters were, were doing great because people could pay five, ten cents and, and escape for a few hours and, and, and live a fantasy. And they weren't making movies about the, the Dust Bowl during that. Okay. Like, it just wasn't a thing. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, Law and Order Organized Crime actually does it in an interesting way because they're dealing with the trafficking of like uh, stolen vaccines 
and how organized crime as we know it is not the it's not what we think of when we think of like the mafia it's much more sophisticated it's much more business-like now mm. and uh it's much more white collar and it it's it's clever it's doing it in a pretty clever way and at first when i, I kind of my lip curled up when i first started talking about covid stuff and i was like oh no but it, it actually do it pretty well so That's i cool. recommend it check it out it's on hulu and um, i think it's pretty good nice. i also watched the rewatched the first half of rush the uh ron howard movie with our friend daniel Bruhl and chris hemsworth friend of the show daniel Bruhl. friend of the show yep great friend good guy (laughs) fun guy really knowledgeable very fluent in many languages would be able to tell us all about uh in movies on tv yes uh have you ever seen rush title of our other podcast i think it i think it should be actually yeah (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay. I have not seen Rush. Um, oh, you. So sometime I would love to double feature Rush and Ford versus Ferrari because I think they're two movies that are very easy to say, eh, they're about racing, they're Oscar bait. Like, eh. uh, it's pure uh, Father's Day weekend. Uh, Dude, you know, dad, dad movie bait. <laughs> it, they're both so. Oh, you might be onto something now. <laughs> <laughs> Because I remember when Rush was coming out, I was like, I have no interest in this. <laughs> but suddenly I found myself on the couch with my Sperry's on and a, and a, and a lawnmower beer in my hand. And I was at a trucker hat on backwards and I was watching it. Uh, Rush is really, really good. And Ford versus Ferrari is really, really, they're both fantastic movies. Daniel Bruhl is off the charts in Rush. He's so good. Uh, and Hemsworth is also, of course, fantastic. It, anyway, it's a great movie. Uh, I, I watched about half of it just to kind of rewatch it, and I was like, "Man, this movie is really cool." And um, yeah, I think you, sh- I think you would enjoy you would you would enjoy it a lot more than you might think. <clears throat> yeah, I'm down for both. I remember hearing people being uh, you being one of them, and and uh, you know some other people on podcasts and things that I listen to being uh, pleasantly surprised with Ford v Ferrari. Ford, yeah, uh, Dawn of uh, I don't have the joke yet. That's in there somewhere. Shelby, yeah, Dawn 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 of. Uh, yeah, sure. Don of Shelby. That's good. Um, <laughs> I also but, yeah, oh, no, I remember ahead, people ahead. being being uh, pleasantly surprised with it and and hearing good things about it. Not that like I don't know. Like you said, I think it was just very much like a oh, it's a kind of biopic, and I think a lot of people are like uh, biopics, whatever. They're trying to be something special, but like I don't know. I always find biopics are very interesting, especially when I have no like historical context for that type of stuff. Uh, Cause I wasn't born yet and that type of thing. So I yeah. think, uh, I think I, I'm totally done to watch both of those. It's um, I think that with racing, there's often it just kind of the, the misconception that it's just really boring. I shouldn't say misconception, but just the perception because mm-hmm. to some people, I'm sure it is genuinely super boring. Uh, but that kind of racing is just, is crazy good. And, uh, that the historical angle to both of those, the fact that they're real people, real events, uh, is, is pretty awesome. Ford versus Ferrari, I think is particularly engaging if you're, especially if you're from this area and you, you kind of can learn a lot from it that you probably didn't know prior. And, uh, it's, um, you know, it's really good. Uh, but after I watched about 40, minutes or so of that and i backed out uh, on uh, netflix i was like eh. and what what else came before my eyes was uh rush beyond the lighted stage a documentary about the band rush <laughs> and so i fired that up and i thought 
Why not? You've been like, watching Rush. Would you like to watch Rush? <laughs> it's pretty much what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I like Rush, the band, and I was like, you know what? All right, I'll, I like a good kind of behind the music documentary thing. Why not give this a shot? I watched about an hour of that last night, and that was really good too. If uh, if you like rock documentaries, and if you have any interest in Rush, uh, they're kind of interesting guys. They have kind of interesting lives, especially Getty Lee. Uh, so. There's another recommend. I got to finish it to see how it how it closes out. But it's also nice because when they made it, I think it's probably I, I think it's called Rush Beyond the Lightest Stage. Uh, yes, I don't know when it was made, but Neil Peart was still alive. Oh, this was from 2010, so this is this is a lot older than I thought. I don't know why the hell this came up for me on Netflix. Then <laughs> it's not like it's new, um, but it's nice because Neil Peart's still alive in it when they made it. And when he passed away, I was pretty bummed out. The guy was just a monster. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a really, really intelligent guy. But it's cool. It, it's it's interesting. So there's another recommend. Nice. Uh, anything else? No, I think that ought to cover it. All right. Um, that's, that's gone on long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been watching a whole lot. I mean, I've been watching a lot of TV. Uh, you know, there's uh, still Mayor of Easttown still going on. I brought that up a couple of weeks ago. HBO Max still going good. I'm still enjoying it. And uh I think there's two episodes left excited to see how that goes um but uh i did very recently finish up season one of for all mankind which i brought up previously this is an apple tv plus series from ronald d moore of the battlestar galactica reboot fame um reboot slash revival i don't know whatever it is uh and this is the kind of it's another alternative history type property um and and one of the things that I think kind of uh, that I had heard about the show that got me to start watching it and that I didn't realize initially that I think people should know is that like the the show starts in like 1969 man on the moon type territory. And uh, by the end of the first season, uh, I think they even like there's a scene at the end of the first season that's in like 83. So they cover a lot oh, cool. of time. Yeah. And it's very much like getting into the territory where like there are kids from season one that are now growing into adults in season two. Um, and, and, and so I did start season two as well, if that wasn't apparent, but um, <laughs> the, the thing is like, I think they did a very good job in the show. Like I think episode five was where I said, I finally really like bought in and was like, okay, I'm ready to like, keep watching this. And then of course I set it down for some reason, didn't quite come back to it until recent, recent, uh, past couple weeks. Um, but some of the special effects and things that they do towards the end of season one is mind blowing. Like I don't fully understand. Like I want to watch a documentary about how they're making the show and some of the stuff that they're shooting while they're on the moon or in space and, and things of that nature. Like they just do, they're doing a very good job of making it feel real. Um, and, and I'm impressed with it. And I think they, uh, I think, uh, anybody who kind of like enjoys that space race kind of stuff and would like to see how like an alternate history of like the U S not making it to the moon before the Soviets uh, would really play out. I think they're doing a good job of like making you care about the characters, but also kind of bringing in a lot of the political strife at the time. And uh, um, 
you know, there's some really, they're going some crazy directions in season two with some of the stuff. So I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. Um, but yeah, for all mankind on Apple TV plus is Joel uh, Kinnaman the lead in that. Yes, he is. And he's wonderful. I he's, like, and I like Joel Kinnaman. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, very good in the show. I mean, it's, it's very much an ensemble cast. There's a lot of people. He's like top build, but you're okay. really getting to know a lot of different people, uh, a lot of different astronauts and their families and things like that in the show. And so like, uh, he does a good job of kind of being, uh, you know, one of the kind of mainstays or one of the, one of the people that you're more commonly seeing on the screen, but then there's just such a great cast of other people that they kind of rotate around and visit at different times and pull into different positions that, um, you know, really they're telling a great story about the whole of a space program that doesn't actually exist and it didn't really go this way. And so I think they're doing a good job of logically following kind of a different history. And, uh, and I'm curious to see how season two goes. I think it did recently finish up season two. Let me double check here. I got it open. Season two ended in April. Um, so I'm, I'm a couple, I think I'm only like two or three episodes in at this point. Uh, but Andrew Stanton, Stanton, of uh, John Carter uh, fame has directed a couple episodes of season two. So I'm excited to see those hoping it is a, another stepping stone of getting him out of director jail. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's been a while, unfortunately, but um, yeah, no uh, it's, it's a great show. And anybody who's got Apple TV plus, I know that they've been like extending subscriptions and things like that. So while you got it, it is worth checking out. Yeah, actually, you just reminded me there is one other show that I've been watching. You care to venture a guess? Uh, is it the Ted Lasso? It is the Ted Lasso. <laughs> How uh, do you feel about the Ted Lasso? The Ted Lasso is really good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Kim and I got halfway through, uh, I think, two weekends ago or something. We watched probably in like two or three days. We watched uh, the first five episodes and then we decided to hit the pause button there. Um, for a bit we just haven't gotten back to you because that's the mm. show that we actually want to watch yeah and not just like have on in the background like while we just fall asleep on the couch yep uh that's one that we actually like we're watching during the weekend where we had time to like stay awake mm-hmm. um yeah it's phenomenal it's so good yeah i talked to tim about it a couple times and i like you might be a little more familiar than i am being that you sometimes do watch sports in some form um but like the fact that this character has grown out of like a commercial joke from NBC into like a <laughs> good uh, sitcom, it, it, and like a very good sitcom, like sitcom, I think sometimes seems like a pejorative, but yeah, in this case, yeah, like it, it's an actual, it's a sitcom worth watching. Um, I think uh, is pretty crazy and it's cool. And I love Jason Sudeikis getting to watch him and anything is great. And the fact that he's such a like ray of sunshine in the show mm-hmm. <laughs> is it was exactly what I needed in 2020. So it was yeah. I hit at the right time. That's what that's what we were saying too. He's just such a uh, a persistent, positive, earnest uh, mm-hmm. do gooder. And she keeps saying after like every episode, she, she's like, "I'm so scared for when something bad is inevitably going to happen to him." She's like, <laughs> just like so concerned for him. And I was like, "I know, me too." Like you just are, uh, you're just bummed out if when stuff doesn't go his way. And yet, even when something pretty dramatic and and 
sad happens in episode five, uh, mm-hmm. the show has a has a balanced perspective about it, and it's um it's the kind of thing that really only only fiction can truly do, um, because the reality would be much worse. But it's yeah. uh, it still is just sweet, and it does a good job of pointing out the the silver linings and just about everything. And the performances are all so good. Uh, all the all the players in the team are so awesome. Absolutely. Um, I, because it's been, <laughs> I think, two weeks now since we watched any episodes of it. I don't remember any of their names, but it's uh, it's great. R- Roy Kent is the one that I remember. and uh, He's like the old the older one, the vet. Yes. Yeah, yep. he's he's the shit. So good. And, yeah. uh, and I always, it was funny, the whole time I was watching that show, I could not stop thinking about the fact that, like, Willie just fucking hates Juno Temple. And she's in the show. Uh, is she, she the girlfriend of uh, yes, the, the of, superstar? Yeah, Jamie, I think okay. is his name. Yep, yep. it is. It is, and yeah. I think she's she does a great job in that show. For, oh, she's for hilarious. She's yeah, so yeah. I, <laughs> just why what is what else is she from? I think she was in one of those uh let me let me take a look. I'll I'll know it when I see it. Um Yeah, she is amazing. I really only knew her from like the Dark Knight Rises because she's one of Selena Kyle's friends, I think, in okay. that. Um, but I think she's in a movie that is called killer. She was in killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey and I think, and Emile Hirsch. And I think Willie watched that at some point and was like, Oh, just just hated it so much, hated it so much. And I think she went with it, but she, I think she's awesome in Ted Lasso. So not to, not to, I'm not speaking ill of Willie because you know maybe that movie's horrible. It probably is, but um, Ted Lasso might turn it around for him. It could, it could. Uh, and there's a season two starts July 23rd, so you're you might be able, you might get to a uh, weekly watching point with it if you want. If oh, you I will. Yeah, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll finish it out. Yeah, nice. I also got to mention uh, <laughs> Hannah Waddingham, who plays his boss. Yes, she is so good. Mm-hmm. she is hilarious the little just a little tiny thing she does with her face when she's trying to withhold her disdain for him <laughs> yeah it's just so funny yeah i think she got nominated for a sag award and she won the critics choice television award for that's that great role. yeah um, she's fantastic she's very good yeah it's a great show well good can't, i'm glad can't remember. I, can, I, I needed something to to fill the void from schitt's creek and it stepped up to the plate absolutely you have you met rupert too right is that her, her ex-husband? Yes. Yes, just the one episode so far. Okay. Uh Tim Tim was very Tim watched the watched the show before I did and he was very excited for me to meet Rupert because Rupert is from Buffy and he plays uh he plays Buffy's like watcher the caretaker. Oh my god, that's Anthony Stewart Head? Yes it is. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. It's, so phenomenal to see him in this role compared to like the caring of Giles and Buffy. It's uh, so good. Yeah, so good. I did not realize that that was him. Next time he's on screen, you'll you'll be like, "Fuck, that is him." And yeah. It's, well, it's as so soon good. as you said it, now I can picture him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for he's, sure. He's great yeah. in the show as well. He was great. What I've seen so far. Yeah, the whole thing is fantastic. Yeah. So, um, I was thinking it would be interesting to kind of discuss in terms of like you know I didn't really pick any film news this week, but I was thinking it might be interesting to kind of see where we're both at in terms of like comfortability in returning to the the theater to watch a movie and like if we are comfortable or you know whatever what 
what movie do we really want to see? What's really going to get our ass in that seat at this point? Um, you know, not that like, I know that there are people listening to this that have probably already been to the theater and I don't, you know, everybody has their own comfortability with that type of thing. And, and also like, you know, compared to other States, Michigan hasn't really been the greatest in terms of COVID numbers, uh, recently. (laughs) So it's a, it's a different story based on where you're at, but, um, what are your what are your feelings on whether or not you would want to go to a movie and uh what what do you think is there anything coming up soon that would make you you know really incentivize you to get into the theater uh yeah i'll go see whatever i'm i'm ready man i'm i'm I, starved for i'm at that point too i think i uh, i still wish i mean obviously hindsight's 2020 i do wish i had just powered through and gone to see tenant in the theater mm. but it, it's easy to say now but i i may have you know been in the theater and the whole time in the back of my mind wondering if i was gonna catch covid so yeah. i was probably the right decision for for many reasons to not go do it but um yeah there's a fair chance that when i sit back down to movie theater seat i get a little misty eyed mm-hmm. and uh that, that might just happen because i really miss it i was i was talking to these guys at work the other day um uh, this guy who just does not go to the theater really ever. And he was like, yeah, I don't think the last movie I saw was like six or seven years ago in the theater. And I, I gasped and I, <laughs> and I was like, I can't, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> no. And he was like, man, this last year, it must've been pretty hard for you, huh? And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> in, in, in many ways. <laughs> But yes, being able, not being able to go to the movie theater was a big one. And when I told him that there had been weeks in the past where I had gone to two or three movies in, this, in a week, he was like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I was like, we are just on opposite ships passing each other in the night, aren't we? But uh, yeah, I'll go to to anything. I, I do know that I'm going to go. I mean, barring, you know, massive spikes again and risks of exposure etc etc whatever else could happen in the rest of this year uh, i will be seeing dune in the theater for sure Mm -hmm. that that's one that i think would be fun to watch uh in a in at home and with a group of people but that's one that i feel like has got to be on the big screen it's just you know and i want to start pump pumping up those box office numbers and do my do my little part throw on my 10 bucks and uh you know try to to continue to plead the case of the movie theater. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think, like I said, I think I'm in the same position at this point, you know, with all the guidance that's come out and stuff like that being vaccinated, it seems like it's pretty unlikely that I'd be getting sick based off of that. So I don't really personally feel like I don't need to go to the movies, but at the same time, I still have kind of this like mental feeling of like, if some dude is sitting behind me chomping open mouth chomping on some popcorn, is it going to bother me the whole time? Yeah, but it would have before COVID anyway. So I don't, I don't really necessarily think that, you know, I don't think there's anything that's keeping me from going to the theater from that standpoint. But at this point in time, I'm kind of like, is there anything that I really want to see? Uh, and a lot of it also would kind of be like, is there anything that I think Nicole would really want to go see too? Um, so, you know, I'm not necessarily sure. Like Dune certainly is one that I will, I will be there for. Like you said, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Um, and you know, well, I guess I can mention there was some potential report this week that HBO and Warner brothers were considering releasing Dune in theaters early and then putting it on HBO max or 
you know, delaying, delaying it despite their promise to release all these movies day and date in theaters and on their streaming service. But uh, supposedly that has been uh, uh, the myth has been busted. What am I trying to say? I don't even remember. But um, yeah, I think I think uh, Dune would definitely be there. I feel like I could see Black Widow either way. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's I'm looking now at some of the releases a few weeks out. And uh, I've been talking for the last like two minutes with you and I was muted on accident. So oh. <laughs> uh, if you felt like you were just speaking and I wasn't replying, that'd be why. But that's it was okay. nothing. It was nothing important. Yeah, Black Widow and um, Fast 9, I mm-hmm. guess, maybe. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I would be down to see Fast 9. I there's think. not a ton coming out, really. That's the thing. A lot of stuff kind of got out of the way, uh, considering the way that things were going. I think I'll probably want to see Suicide Squad in the theater, too. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 one that I feel like uh, Backyard Projector also would be fun. It would same, be fun. Same, same with Black Widow, because Black Widow is kind of like, you know, either way. I, I, I don't. Uh, Snake Snake Eyes. I saw a commercial for Snake Eyes. Did you see anything on Snake yeah, Eyes? Yeah, I watched the I watched the tra- the little teaser. I didn't even know they were making it, and I I don't know. I don't really <laughs> care about that. If there's yeah. one character that doesn't really need, it should be Snake Eyes. It sh- shouldn't be Snake Eyes. I agree. Other than the fact that, like, I think uh, I think Iko Uyas from the from the Raid films is in it, and uh. Like, I don't know. It would be nice to watch a cool ninja <clears throat> movie, but, uh, you know, that could go either way. It could also be, it might blow the ice pack and just be garbage. <laughs> I want more G.I. Joe movies, but Snake Eyes it Origins did, it didn't is, need to be Snake is Eyes. not what I wanted. Yeah, the character <laughs> who's way better when he's more mysterious. The less you know about him, the better. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But whatever. Yeah, I'm excited to go back to the theater, and I'm, I feel comfortable. I, I would go. There's just not much out right now, and there's not much reason to. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think uh, you know, I know I saw I I know that there's a lot of people out there for uh, Spiral, the saw the Chris Rock saw mm, movie, yeah. and it sounds like uh, kind of was a take it or leave it in a lot of cases. Um, I have a hard time with the saw movies, so I I, I still have not seen a single one. Really? But, uh, but this this one this one was getting enough buzz where I was like considering watching some of them. Have um, you? Do you know anything about the first one? I vaguely know stuff about the series in terms of uh, how uh, I know that there is some screwiness in the uh, in how the. The, the time uh what am i trying to say the chronology of the of the films actually plays out if you don't uh, know any of the big story beats of the first one you should absolutely watch the first one yeah i can't I, nothing specific comes to mind i don't know if anything as i was Ooh. watching would come to mind you but. should definitely watch the first one at least then <laughs> i think you i think you would enjoy it and it's probably pretty tame compared to the the shit that's come <laughs> since fair enough yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not opposed to watching them. They just never really, uh, you know. Yeah, they're not. If they're not really, you know, your go-to or your bag, then I get that. I I don't really remember struggling with the first one too much in terms of the gore. Mm. Um, I think the second one is the one where the it's either two or three. I think it's two where somebody falls into a pit of syringes, and I like stood Ugh. up off the couch and like walked out of the room and was like. <laughs> 
can't do it. I can't do that. I can't do that. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no way. Sorry. It's all, I'm all set. <laughs> Give me a documentary about Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some cars. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I think the first one you would, you would, uh, I think you would quite enjoy it. It'd be fun to watch it now because I think I saw when did that come out? Oh, like oh four? Uh it was a while back. Yeah. I think it was like post ring. Uh saw. Yeah, two thousand four. Yeah. Um that would be a fun because I've last time I watched it was probably fifteen years ago. So that could be uh that could be a fun watch. Yeah. Rewatch. Well, well maybe we'll check in on that later. I do I feel like if uh if you and and uh, and Tim and Willie and I bought four tickets to go see Fast Nine. I'm, I'm, I would be very down to see Fast Nine with you guys in the theater. I still need to see Fast Eight. You don't. Maybe Seven as well. <laughs> Which is the one that ends with Paul Walker driving away? Is that Seven? I think that's Seven. Oh, because Six is Six is the sweet one with the with the runway and all that. Yeah, Six is yeah. the one with yeah, the yeah, runway. Yeah. That's five like is Five is Brazil. Long. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep, so I have not seen eight. I think it was on TV or something uh, recently, and I just popped in like somewhere in the middle of the movie and just was like, wow, and then changed it because whatever was happening was just so crazy. Hobbs and Shaw was cool, though. So, yeah, all right. That's the only one in the franchise I'm missing. Yeah, I'm good. I I mean, I, I remember going to see eight. Um, I think I was by myself because uh, it was like the seventh week of it being in the theaters. I went to like a 10 p.m. showing by myself <laughs> and I was like, this is okay. <laughs> yeah, that's not a, a, a franchise I think I would enjoy watching too much on my own. Yeah. That needs a that needs a crowd. A crowd and some Kiwonas. Kiwonas. You need some Familia. Yeah. Gotta have the Familia there. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, everybody, let us know what's what what has gotten you back in the theater. What's going to get you back in the theater? I'd be curious to hear from from people listening uh, what they want to go see. In the yeah, I want to hear about theater and I want to hear about concerts. If anybody's going to concerts mm. or like seeing any live music, even if it's at a restaurant some, or something like that, uh, you know, there it. Uh, I'm excited to hear about people's experiences getting back into the world and uh, being around people. We've got uh, we've got tickets to see the uh, the jagged little pill uh, 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 wow. whatever whatever tour that Alanis Morissette was going to do last year because uh, Nicole really likes that album. Um, so Banger. that should be happening later this year. I can let you know how that goes. But uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I was yeah, about I to. Th- I think it's at DTE, so it's one of those shows where it's like, yeah, you go have a good time. Yeah. I was about to pull the trigger on the Nick Cave tickets and then the pandemic uh, delayed last year and they have rescheduled Europe, but not North America yet. So when that happens, I I might see when it's going to lie and see if I can still get some. Yeah, that would be cool for that. Yeah. So we've recorded an episode length uh, of any other show. and (laughs) Now we can start talking about the subject at hand, I suppose. Listeners, if you need to break this up into two different listening occasions. This is a good spot to hit the old pause, get back to work, finish your commute out and uh, pick up with us next time. Yeah. Well, we'll get to our review of the Falcon and the winter soldier 
this is a Disney Plus series. All six episodes were directed by Kari Skoglund, uh, and the series was created by Malcolm Spellman. Uh, and it stars Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier, Anthony Mackie as the Falcon, and many more people. Um, this was originally planned to be the first Disney Plus Marvel series, and it got delayed by COVID. Um, and then WandaVision came out first. So you can hear our thoughts on WandaVision. We did talk about it several weeks ago. Um, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily know. I think, I think both of us were probably curious in terms of like, what was this going to, what was the show going to really be? And uh, I remember seeing the the trailers when they came out and just kind of TV spots, quick things here and there that were just kind of like, it looked like a fun action show. Um, and, and so, you know, I got fairly excited for it. What were you, what were your thoughts kind of going into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Nick? I was really, really excited for this one. This is the one I was most excited for coming into all these Disney plus shows. Uh, I, I'm really glad it came second, though. I think WandaVision was the right one to be first. It set such a good, bold tone for what these shows can be and uh, and letting us delve deeper into certain little pockets of the uh, the Marvel, the, uh, the MCU and letting a lot of these like second rung, third rung characters actually have some some time, mm-hmm. actually let them breathe and let them grow. <laughs> Particularly excited because I I'm I really like the character of Bucky, uh, the Winter Soldier from the comics. He's he's got a really phenomenal uh, solo series that Ed Brubaker wrote. So Ed Brubaker created he didn't create Bucky, but he created the Winter Soldier. And Ed Brubaker is probably my second favorite comics writer. Sometimes he's the first, depending on what I'm reading. Um, his Captain America run where he brought the Winter Soldier into the into the books is just fantastic. Uh, he wrote. He continued writing Cap when uh, Bucky was Cap for a while. Um, he wrote the Winter Soldier solo series, and he's written tons of great stuff within the Marvel Universe. He has, like, my second favorite run of Daredevil. He's just a great writer. Uh, really created a very cool, compelling, interesting character with the Winter Soldier. Uh, it was a pretty ingenious way to bring a bring a character that was gone back into the into the books and, and make it feel digestible and believable and, and compelling. <clears throat> so I had high hopes in that regard. I also love espionage stuff. I love spy stuff. I like thrillers like that. I like the, there's a lot of that in that winter soldier solo series. There is a lot of action, but it's not like straight up guns blazing. Ooh, rah, rah, you know, smashing indoors. It's a lot of like espionage, <clears throat> excuse me. Trade craft, I believe is the term. Yeah. And, and black widow is present in a large portion of that run and mm-hmm. watching her and buck play off of each other is really fun. They have a really cool dynamic, a very cool relationship. I was really hoping that Bucky was going to show up or maybe not Bucky, but the winter soldier would show up in black widow, uh, the movie. That's probably not the case, but that would have been very cool because they have, they have history, um, both being trained by Soviets and, uh, in the books, winter soldier is actually one who was training a lot of the widows, uh, because he was pretty much number one assassin. Hmm. Um, so there's a ton of rich history to get into with that character. And I was always left a little bit, I shouldn't say a little bit, a lot wanting for, for what they were doing with Bucky in the movies. Like Winter Soldier is a great movie. Civil War is, is really cool. I really like a lot of what they were getting into with Bucky there, but they were just kind of, he was just kind of as a plot device and he just kind of was like a, just kind of a victim without a lot of 
real real motivation for us to understand. He was there. He was there for Steve, not for us, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And and they just never really, even by the end of like Infinity War, and then the last little bit of Endgame, he just didn't really have a lot to do other than just kind of smolder in the background. And they were slowly kind of getting to it. Like I was excited when he got to Wakanda and all that kind of stuff, but. The series, uh, I had high hopes in that regard. And I think Anthony Mackie's Falcon is one of the absolute brightest shining stars in the MCU. He has been ever since he first showed up. Mm-hmm. I've just always thought he just kicks so much ass. And he is just, he's charisma just pouring out of the screen. <laughs> he's just f- so good. He sells everything he does. And. I don't even really question a lot of how what he does works. I do sometimes. I'm like, how do the wings know exactly what to do? <laughs> but <laughs> I also just don't care because he's so much fun to watch. The guy's yeah. a star. And yep. he, he, he is just absolutely pitch perfect. And they have written him so excellently and in the past. And uh, that's a character that I think they really improved on from the books or adapted in such a phenomenal way. And so mm-hmm. I had really high hopes for what they were going to get into with the series. I didn't even know really necessarily what it was going to be about. I just thought these guys are going to be really fun. They they had great chemistry in um, in Civil War. Yeah. And they were really fun how they played off of each other. It seems like they're pals in real life. Like it just was – it was – everything was lining up to be really awesome. And uh, I had very, very high hopes going into it. Yeah. So I think we'll talk about the show a little bit in terms of non-spoilers, just kind of very general thoughts. And then I think we'll do, we'll, we'll rip off the bandaid fairly early. So uh, no, you don't have, we don't have to pull our punches too much, Um, but I'll go, I'll go first real quick and just say like, I really, really respect a lot of what they wanted to do with this show. And I think they bring up some very, they, they go into territory that I never thought a Marvel movie or show ever would, uh, especially with, with some of, uh, Sam's struggle to feel like the shield is his to take up and things of that nature that, which we'll get into in spoilers. But, um, I think unfortunately the show got a little bit mangled for me by a lot of different plot lines that don't necessarily come together in a very neat package. Um, it's like you said, Falcon is fantastic and I have really enjoyed the winter soldier. And I do think a lot of the time that they spend together in the show is great from a character standpoint and seeing them kind of evolve and their relationship grow. Um, because they've all, like, I think the, sh- the show kind of sets them up to be the, the odd couple, you know, kind of just the tango and cash sort of like not, uh, not best buddies, but coworkers kind of thing is the thing that's in the trailer, I think for the show, but, um, watching them actually get to interact with each other without Steve around, because that was the thing, the person that brought them together. Mm-hmm. I think the show does a lot of really wonderful things with that. But in terms of like the overall <clears throat> plotting and what happens with the story that they actually try to set forth to tell, I think there are a lot of ways that it could have turned out much better. And ultimately, I think by the end of the finale, I was a little disappointed with it. But we'll get into more specifics in in a spoiler in our spoiler Terry. What about you? What were your thoughts on the show overall? I agree with you completely. I think that the the character moments are for the most part, like nine, probably 95% of it are, are just in, so good. And 
they're all I want. <laughs> I just want mm-hmm. more of these characters talking to each other and more of these characters uh, interacting. And I do like, I liked a lot of the action that was in it. Some of it I kind of checked out during. Uh, I, I just, I liked the stuff that was a little more spycraft and, and some more of the, like the, the chess pieces getting moved around. I thought that was kind of the most interesting stuff and watching a lot of these people play off of each other. Um, you know, I, I think that it started really, really, really strong. And in the middle, it hit, it hit a point where I was like, this is so good. And then it just kind of slowly started to, to fizzle out and it had some, some spikes in the in the fifth and sixth episode of like really really awesome stuff where I was like yeah. oh well, this is really cool but all in all the story it, it this should have been eight episodes and I think it would have been yeah it would have been much better served to to be eight it didn't need it didn't need to go ten it didn't need to go eleven or thirteen but I think eight would have really given it a, just a little bit more room to breathe and uh, let us get a little bit more into some of what some of the characters are going through and they I think they did. I don't want to say they did their best because I don't know if that's true, but I, we have to talk more about whether or not this was hampered by reshoots and stuff during the pandemic. It sounds like maybe the the direction they, of the story changed at points. Yeah, they actually did. They were, this the show was going to very heavily reference some sort of pandemic, uh, such that the the production company behind the show was named Pandemic Productions. Uh, and they rewrote a lot of the show oh, when COVID hit. Um, and and I, I think it shows a lot. But yeah, we, we can get into that. I would have rather they just stuck with it. Me too. It just, Me too. I mean, uh, who's going to get upset about that? Like, it's just that well, that's the, that's the it, premise think, of so many. Yeah, <sighs> but I think a little bit is what you were talking about earlier with Law and Order in terms of like the idea that people don't want to watch something that's about that could be perceived as even being kind of about what we all were going through. Last I guess year. so. And Disney's in a, a more of a magnifying glass than anybody. So yes. yeah, so I, I suppose I get it, but I get why they did it, but I really do think the story probably suffered. And I, I think there would have been ways to work around it, but we can, we can discuss that. Uh, yeah. In the spoiler Terry. So. Okay. Any other final thoughts? Uh, it was good. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit, and I do want to go back and rewatch it in a more bingey mode because I was watching this one week to week, which mm-hmm. I still really enjoy doing. I still think it's the way to go. I, it gave me something to look forward to. It gave me. It kind of propelled me through. Um, but I do kind of want to go back and watch it all now as like a kind of a cohesive chunk. Yeah. Um, I really hope they do a second season. I, I'm honestly like uh, I'm. I really hope that they just keep doing these as like series because I'm enjoying them a lot more than this. This is. This couldn't have come along at a better time because I'm so burnt out on the movies, and yeah. uh, it's it's much better uh, to let to let us spend a few weeks with these characters. Well, this feels like one that could continue on in some form. You know, WandaVision felt fairly self-contained, but I yeah, feel like very true. The idea of putting Bucky and Sam together, I think, could continue to bear fruit. Um, it just hopefully might be in a different form. And they, I should say, they did announce that. Malcolm Spellman is working on a fourth Captain America movie that will star Buck, uh, Sam as Captain America. So, Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, sorry for the spoiler there, but it was in the news. So <laughs> <laughs> something called the news. <laughs> so that was out there, but uh, they, they I, do, they do pretty much leave you at the end of the series uh, 
setting up what's going to what's to come. So for sure, whether it yeah. be the next movie or or a series. But I just I don't know. I like the series format. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's rip off that band aid and go into the spoiler Terry. Uh, the spoiler Terry direction. Um, I think the main thing that we didn't want to spoil is just how wonderful Daniel Bruhl is and everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's one of the things. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. I, I, I had, I had a lot of fun with it. It's great that he like became a meme out of the show, which is not something I would have thought about Daniel Bruhl ever becoming <laughs> having watched like the alienist and yeah. <laughs> ever, ever hitting the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was great to see everybody retweeting those dancing gifts. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like, uh, you know, the, I think there were some people that were a little put off by like the retconning of Zemo's story, but at the same time, I was just kind of like, no, I think this all kind of tracks. It's not like we, there's so much left out of the text in Captain America civil war that Zemo could have really been anything. And I don't think they really trample all over him. And what, what was the retcon? The well, just the idea that he's this like he is the baron. He is a baron. He's a rich man. You know, oh. like I think uh, he he just seemed like a, coming oh. from a very like family man kind of standpoint, and like not necessarily a uh, an extremely well to do. Like he didn't have all the resources that he appears to have in this series uh, in Civil War. Um, so I think there were some people that were kind of upset by that, but that was not one of the problems that I had with the show. I think yeah, that's a weird thing to be upset about. I think that works pretty well, but um, no. So, so yeah, one of the main things that one of the main problems that I think I have with this show, we haven't talked too much about John Walker and I think we'll get there, but the flag smashers have no real, uh, I feel like they do a really poor job of explaining the plight of the flag smashers and why they're so supported by literally everybody in the streets um, why there's so many people being rallied to their cause because we don't really understand exactly what their cause is. They, you, there's a line in the first episode where I think they say like, Oh, the flag smashers preferred the blip because it was better that way. Uh, but was it really? And like, why they never really get into that in, in my opinion, unless I missed something. Um, and so that was some of why I had an issue with the show is that like everything with the flag smashers feels very much like, Hey, we needed some type of quote unquote evil or like sympathetic villain for you to kind of care about. And I don't necessarily think it worked particularly well. And I know that that was stuff that I know quote unquote from the rumors, um, <laughs> the the flag smashers like there is a scene earlier on i think in see in episode two where uh bucky's fighting in the back of a truck with um carly i believe and mm -hmm. there's a box that says vaccines on it and i think it was vaccines for the pandemic that was going to take place in the show it was very much like the flag smashers were stealing the vaccines from the well-to-do uh uh countries or like companies that were dispersing them or something like that to help give them to the, the the poor people or the normal people on the streets that weren't getting access to these vaccines that's that's a that's a great plot it's 
fantastic like way it, it, way more meaningful than like the talking around it that, that they do like i i honestly i have to think that that blip comment that i think it's said in the in the first episode by um by the the kid that's working with sam in, yeah uh torres yes by torres i have to think that that was a rewrite that was just kind of like we got to explain why they're kind of opposing something but you know i just feel like with if they could have stuck with that story, not only would the flag smashers make more sense, but then also like Sam's discussion or like his, his monologue at the end to kind of talk to these government officials could have been way more meaningful. If it was like, you should be helping more people by helping everybody get these vaccines instead of, you know, like I I think all, all of it, all the whole series could have been more meaningful with that through line. And I'm sad that like, the circumstance of it all made them feel like they had to pull back from that. And like, like you said, I kind of get it in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I think sticking to their guns would have produced something a little more interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really, uh, even now when you were talking about it, I hadn't really thought about tying it into Sam's monologue at the end so much. I think that maybe somebody at Disney correctly forecast the idea that if, you know, well, because COVID struck, they probably thought if down the line or when down the line vaccines do become available, perhaps we don't want to necessarily comment on a government's willingness to help distribute it to its people. Yeah. Because I think that the current administration has made it pretty clear that they want to make it available to as many people as humanly possible. They want to encourage, you know, everybody go get both doses or a single dose if it's J&J. Like, I, I could see that being the the potential political quagmire because it's uh, I don't know I, I could see that being a potentially a sticky situation and uh, you know they they weren't going to know necessarily which way the political climate of the United States was going to go mm-hmm. or uh, or what state we would be in or also you know you might have a lot of viewers that would watch that and be angry and be like what if I didn't want the vaccine like just <laughs> let you know you don't <clears throat> It turned into such a hot button issue now, even though the idea of inoculating yourself against a potentially life threatening illness would become such a such a bother. But (laughs) (laughs) my views are mine and my own. Why is it a political quagmire at all? One might ask. But yeah, it is. Yeah. Somehow. So because this is the world we live in and. The show that that is what I really like about the show is it doesn't really it doesn't pull punches on the things it does choose to talk about. And uh, I think that it I don't know whether the focus pivoted or not, or if it had always been the intention to throw a spotlight on the issue of race uh, or the issue of racism. Uh, But I'm so glad that it did and does in such a such a confident and uh, and and I can't even think of the word just uh, such a massive way like it's it's written it's written on the on the in the first episode it's it's just right in there right off the bat mm-hmm. and doesn't shy away and uh i think it's awesome i think it it was really compelling it was really well done and i think that the i don't know that it could go over anybody's head and <laughs> and, and by that i mean if you choose not to take something away from it i think it's probably because you're making that choice and uh mm-hmm. and not because you missed something and I think that that's, that was something that I felt when I finished it. And I thought, you know, that if anybody d- has any issue with the show being about that and about Sam being Captain America and about uh, everything that he was saying toward the end, although it did get, it got a little bloated towards the end there. And I kind of thought, 
I was kind of having those flashbacks to Dark Knight Rises, like we were talking about recently. Uh, I might have been talking about that with Gojo and Willie, how Talia's like monologuing and they're all just standing there listening to her while there's a, <laughs> yeah. a, a, a nuke about to go off. And I was like, you know, <laughs> monologues are a tricky thing. You got to, mm-hmm. in the right setting, in the right context, they can totally make sense. But when it's like all these people standing around, I was like, uh, it's starting to get a little long, but everything he was saying was great. And again, Mackie just can just he kills it all. He sold all day it, long. yeah. So I think the show, uh, it does a lot of good, important stuff. And I think the other issue of uh, PTSD and uh, and the, 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 I don't want to say plight of the soldier, but just some of the stuff that veterans go through, I think is kind of dealt with um in a pretty effective way in the show. And I think a lot of what John Walker's about is, uh, is pretty well done. And it's a difficult character to, uh, to pin down how I feel about, you know? Yeah. I think my main problem with John Walker in the series is I wish I got more time with him. You know, I wish we got to spend more time with him before he quote unquote turns. And then on top of that, like his, his, um, reconciliation is portrayed in one moment where he decides to either go after the, the, the flag smasher or save the truck that's about to careen off the side of the construction site or whatever. Yeah. It's pretty sloppy. Yeah. It's just so quick and everything is so quick in, in episodes five and six, like episode five is just this like big, like swell of all the biggest ideas in the show all at once in terms of like Sam deciding if he wants to become Captain America and you know, Sam Bucky somewhat opening up to Sam and like them kind of burying the hatchet and not necessarily being like in opposition to each other and actually bonding over like the shield. Yeah. Um, And on top of that, you've got, the Isaiah Bradley stuff, which was great. Like Carl Lumley is fucking awesome in this. And like, I honestly really, really wanted a like hooded justice from Watchmen style episode of Carl Lumley. Oh shit. Like that would have been cool. That's the thing that I like really, really wish they could have done in like eight episodes where like, cause Carl Lumley is not as old as they showed him being in the show. (laughs) He's, he's older. But I think they could have, like, removed some of that makeup and let him, you know, do some of the action and, like, actually show some of what he went through rather than the show does a lot of telling rather than showing with him and with everything else. And that's kind of my main problem with it. And I think some of it had to do with the kind of restructuring that they had to do. Um, And others of it, maybe not. Maybe it was just we've only got six episodes. What can we really do? Right. But um. Yeah, eight. It should have been eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because each each character kind of has their big thing that they're dealing with, and mm-hmm. some of them worked really well. You know, like uh, Sam's is the best. It's the best uh, realized, and it's it's uh, it's really compelling. Everything about his his struggle is so good, and I think Bucky's is just right under it. It was uh, his kind of dealing with the the whole. <laughs> I don't want to say deprogramming, but kind of deprogramming, but just the idea of, of working through it, dealing with your trauma mm-hmm. is 
between WandaVision and this, like they're, it's a really important subject and it's not something that's examined enough in a, in a healthy way. And I'm not saying that the, the, either of these shows show the characters going about it in a particularly healthy way. <laughs> uh, but I, I, especially for a guy, like it's, it's, it's not, you don't as often see men dealing with, you know, those sort of emotions in, mm-hmm. and trying to work through them. And even Bucky thumbs his nose at it for most of the series. And it gets, you know, of course, wrapped up super quickly in the, in the last episode. But the, uh, the, the, the flashback scene to him and AO uh, in Wakanda, when yeah. they reveal that that was like one of the most powerful moments of the series. And part of it is, is credit to Sebastian Stan for, for finally getting to really like, do something other than just like scowl. And he does, he does a lot of great scowling in the series too, but (laughs) that moment really, like I really felt some resonance in that moment because if, you know, just the idea that you've been, you've been trying to, to move yourself beyond something that, that happened to you that, that is, has particularly affected you negatively for a really long time and that you've been carrying with you and has become unfortunately part of who you are mm-hmm. part of your identity is that is that trauma and seeing that that moment of relief on his face where he realized he had made he had made some progress and it wasn't over you know there, there's still a road ahead of him but he had made a massive step and uh he's seen some light at the end of the tunnel and all that happened in in one scene and, and largely in one expression and that i thought was just a fantastic moment in the show it was uh absolutely it was right up there with i think in the first episode when sam's at the bank with his sister um sarah is that her name yes yeah she's awesome too uh that was such a great scene and the look on his face as he realizes and then the look on his face on the tv later when they revealed john walker i I remember I, I gasped at the end of the first episode i was like no (laughs) what yeah but I also, in the same breath, said, yep, that's exactly what they would do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's all the stuff that was the best. Like, again, all the, all the character stuff, all the, and all, like you said, all the Isaiah stuff was really, really uh, tremendous. The Zemo stuff was largely really great. Um, the only character that's not really working is Sharon. <laughs> and I just, I just don't get it. It's yeah. so, that feels like something that got pushed in there late in the writing and if not that just goes to show you that it probably shouldn't have made it off the runway in the first place and it's really nothing against sharon yeah 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 yeah. or even just the character of sharon like i I was stoked that she was in it and it was cool to see emily van camp again get to step out from behind being a being a a player in steve's gallery Mm -hmm. and it's cool that she's got her own kind of she's got some agency and she's got her own momentum now but it just is such a bizarre application of it and doesn't really it doesn't feel motivated at all. It, it's very strange. Yeah, you know, I heard a lot of um I heard a lot of talk on the aforementioned still watching episodes, podcast episodes about the show that um the so there were some drafts of Endgame that did have Steve with uh with her with uh what is her name sharon sharon yeah sharon carter uh and but then when they arrived at the thought that they would have steve go back in time to be with uh 
Peggy. Mag- uh, yeah, Peggy. Um, they realized how weird it would be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, like, they were caught in this way of, like, we can't really do anything that we wanted to do with Sharon. And so she kind of got, like, left in the in the ether in terms of, like, was she snapped or not and all that type of stuff. And so when they started trying to, like, when they, when they had their big board of, like, people that they could use for things and the show came up and they were like, oh, we can bring Sharon Carter into this. Um, you know, I think... I think some of it was like, what can we do that would be interesting and unexpected with Sharon Carter? And I agree that it's unexpected. I don't necessarily know that I care for it all that much. Um, But a lot of that might be kind of um, yet to be seen, especially in terms of like who they put her with and what they do. Like, um, you know, I've heard rumors that she could be, maybe she's a scroll and she'll be important in secret wars. Or like, is she working <laughs> with Julia Louis Dreyfus who shows up out of nowhere in the show for yeah. some reason? <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they, I feel like it, the, the real shoe has yet to drop on whether or not, like, I appreciate that decision right now. I feel pretty like meh about it, uh, which is a bummer. Cause I do, I like Sharon Carter and I like her as Sharon Carter. And, um, but I feel like a lot of what the show does with her is just for like shock value in a lot of ways. And uh, I think it didn't quite land as you were saying. Yeah. Um, and there's something about the way she plays her that does, she doesn't, I don't, we'll have to see what happens in the future. Cause she's playing her. I, I'm not really buying her as like a, as like a criminal mastermind. Um, and I know she's got the, she's got the, the, Sharon has the background for it and the, the, the training mm-hmm. to be able to do all this, but, and to, to mastermind this whole plan and, and become a, a criminal, criminal, uh, bo- underboss basically. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it that didn't feel as authentic to me. Even when they revealed that I was kind of like, uh, okay. Like, I think, I think there's so much of it that needs to be inferred because of the fact that like, you know, so it was, technically after civil war, she's like a war criminal for having helped yeah. Captain America get his stuff. Right. Yeah. And so like, and she does talk about that. How she's basically, but go, that, go ahead. I'm yeah. Sorry. It's a lot of talking about it. There's no real, like yeah. <laughs> we don't, we never really got to see any of it. We don't really get to experience it. We don't really know how horrible her life was for five years during the blip. Like any of that type of stuff. Any, we don't get to see what would drive her to turn against the country that she like swore to protect, right? And so yeah. it's hard to really buy into that. Um, which is why, like, I kind of feel like if she turns out to be a scroll, then I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I think that that might help. Well, it might quickly become a real gnarly plot device. Just pick up oh, scroll, <laughs> yeah, scroll. Um, but like on, on that note when Julia Louis-Dreyfus shows up as Valentina DeFontaine, like there's something about that performance, even though as crazy as it is left field as her appearing is, there's something about her that I'm like, Oh, this person's dangerous. Like she, she carried herself with such a a particular confidence and intelligence that I was like, this, this, this lady will, will ruin, will ruin you with a phone call. (laughs) And, uh, I just bought into it faster. And I thought this is interesting because I've seen this character for, you know, all of five minutes and I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it's a mess. I think we can agree that it's, it's very, it's very sloppy and weird and disjointed. And I I think I would have liked to 
better. I don't know. I don't know what I would have liked better about it. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I would like to pull John Walker into that discussion in a second here, but I also, I think the prevailing knowledge is that we were maybe going to be introduced to her in black widow. Um, which was supposed to be out before this show. Valentina. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe, maybe that make, make more sense and, and stuff, but I, I, you know, it didn't, nothing really bothered me about it because it just kind of feels like, Oh, here's a more gray hat, Nick Fury ish. Who's could be up to some nefarious things. Like it all kind of clicks into place with like, you know, kind of, Oh yeah. I don't have any issue with her. No, yeah, I think yeah. that was fine. Yeah, but, but it, it was weird. Of like, yeah, like why is she here? How did she show up? That oh, like, yeah, yeah. for but, sure. But at the same time, like John Walker, like we were saying, and I and I said that like his his you know his turn to quote unquote evil was quick, and then his turn back is also quick. But like also by the end of the show, when he's just kind of like, hey, I got a costume back, and it's black. Hey, isn't this great, my wife? And uh <laughs> Like it's, he's so playful about it after having murdered somebody in the front of the world as Captain America. Like, yeah, it's, it's so the whiplash is so quick that I, I just, I feel like she, I feel like Valentina gets pulled in with like me, not really like loving any of the John Walker stuff, how it all kind of happened. Like I, I enjoy, I think Wyatt Russell did a great job. Oh yeah. Spending more time with John Walker, really getting a little bit of a better, like, I wish he felt bad about what he did at all. (laughs) Yeah. Or at least understood why it was horrible. Yeah. And, and I don't think you quite get that. Like you get, you get him making that choice to go save the people rather than fight Carly. And yeah, that's a nice beat, but like, it doesn't really jive with the rest of the stuff around it for John in this show. And, um, and that that was disappointing, but yeah, I agree. It's tonally, it's it's pretty dissonant and all over the place. And I, it's one of those things where if we'd had a little bit more time, we might have been able to. As I understand, then that he got, he gets like dishonorably discharged, and he has that moment where he's like, "I, I do what you tell. Like I, I am what I am because you asked me to be it, and you know you've you've trained me." to to be this you've told me to do this you've aimed me and i've you've pulled the trigger and i've done what you asked me to do and this is this is where i am this is what i get mm-hmm. and i i think that was pretty compelling and i kind of understand i can kind of understand his perspective a little bit and just his disappointment with the system that he has you know given himself in unto and the <clears throat> the pressure that he has uh he has put himself under, but I think it, it obviously revealed that, you know, not necessarily anybody on paper is fit to be Captain America, but also the super soldier serum is going to just going to do shit to you (laughs) until apparently it stops and you're suddenly okay again. And so it was, it was heading down an interesting direction with that scene with all the, uh, with the military. And I thought he was going to go rogue in some way. Um, when he was reforging his shield back together, um, I was like, oh, cool. He's going to become like some weird rogue element. And maybe that's what he is doing. If he's working for Valentina, he's not working for the United States. But um, 
who knows? I mean, we'll have to see what, <laughs> what direction that goes in. Yeah. It's just when, when Wyatt occasionally, I shouldn't say occasionally, when he frequently just for, for a moment turns into Kurt Russell, it's really <laughs> cool. And yeah. so when he was saying, I'm back, and he's all excited about his costume, he sounded exactly like Kurt Russell. So I couldn't help but be like, yeah, man, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> I just was excited because I was like, oh, wait, it's not Kurt. Crap. Well, and that's the other things that I will say about the John Walker stuff. Like, I really enjoyed um, Battlestar. I liked his friend and confidant. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, even even though it's a little bit, like, kind of samesy of, like, Steve has Sam as his, like, yeah. black right-hand man. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked Lamar. I liked the, the guy who played yeah, Lamar. Yeah, he was great. Um, and, and I was sad to see him go actually um but uh the 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 way that they show john murdering that dude and the blood on the shield like the imagery that came out of the show was super evocative and cool and i I wish that like the text of the show could could have met it there as much as it wanted it to you know like Mm -hmm. as, as much as like the carl lumley and isaiah bradley stuff really really worked um they they could have been if they were firing on all cylinders i really think that that moment like i remember ending that episode and being like holy shit like they they went there with this like captain america just murdered somebody in front of the entire world because there were people recording it like i i really i felt it then and but but by the next episode it all gets kind of washed away <laughs> yeah and that's and so, super problematic and yes. especially in today's day and age it For sure. you know a a government appointed figure murdering a fleeing and surrendering suspect in cold blood you know it's it's a thing <laughs> and it's it's troubling and he mm-hmm. does get held accountable to a degree but he you know it it, it is also He's not. He, he's not solely to blame. There's a. There's a. There's an issue with the system, and they wash their hands of him. And Sam gives them the talking to at the end of the last episode. But I think that <laughs> it 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 quickly became kind of a kind of a I don't know kind of I an really, overly saccharine moment at times. Yeah, and some of the reaction shots of the various government officials were just. I was like, woof. This is not helping for propel this long because it just was really ham-fisted like looks of like shame and i just was like oh boy that was the take huh well and you speak to his his uh his punishment and i and i do i think if i recall correctly the show like the the senator says something along the lines of like we are all but dishonorably discharging you like we're stopping short of dis- uh, dishonorably discharging you or something of that nature oh, I, I thought can't they, remember. yeah i thought it was court-martial I, yeah, I can't remember exactly what. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, but yes, they they don't throw the book at him. So, and my like, I was thinking that like in the show that fully commits to like the racial dynamics that they're looking at here. This is both of us speaking as two white guys, by the way. So my apologies that you know we don't have a person of color to talk to speak to this. But I was curious if they were going to go along the lines of like if Sam Wilson had murdered a man as Captain America he would have been like, he would have gotten the book thrown at him. Yeah, right? for sure. And, but you know, this decorated veteran 
got to walk away with a slap on the wrist and try and find a new life. Now that's also because of his record. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but they don't, they don't quite get there with it, but it's there and it's maybe kind of something you can think about. So I appreciate that the show kind of puts that idea in front of you, but they don't quite get there with it. Um, That's a great point. So, you know, I, that's the thing. I, I think this show plays with some really, really heavy and big ideas. And I love that they started going there with this. I love that these series are giving them the room to explore these kinds of things. Um, but it doesn't quite get the home run uh, on, on a lot of it, unfortunately. Um, but like we were saying, just to bring up a little bit more about what I enjoyed in, in that episode five, where you see Bucky down in Louisiana, you know, helping Sam out and flirting with Sarah and like having <laughs> seeing seeing them having a good time with each other, I think was awesome. Cause that doesn't happen much. Like, I think the only other time I can really think of it is like the party scene in age of Ultron where they're all like, yeah, out at Avengers mansion and having a party. And I like seeing the downtime with these guys and having a, having a little bit more time to spend with these characters just kind of existing in the world and like repairing a boat and like, you know, there's a lot of good jokes of, you know, Bucky gets to lift up the engine or whatever it is off of the truck. And because they're like, how are we going to get this off of here? Like yeah. a lot of that stuff is great. Um, so I did really enjoy kind of seeing that. And also another point that I, I meant to bring up earlier when you were talking about it, like I often forget that Sam was like talking him volunteering at, at the VA and the fact that like, he's the one that finally helps Bucky start to make amends in like a real way. And he's like, he tells him you need to do the work. That was uh, a great line. It's so good. So good. Um, and on top of that, in, in a similar moment, one of, one of my other favorite lines uh, is Bucky being like, when Steve and I talked about giving you the shield, we didn't fully understand what that meant. And the fact that like, that's a line that's even said in the show, I think is incredible. Like the implications of what it would mean for a black man to take up Captain America's shield, I think is incredible. I never would have expected to see that in a Marvel anything. Yeah. Let alone like, you know, I know that there's an Isaiah Bradley series of comics. Like the comics have a lot more leeway to talk about this kind of stuff, but in the four quadrant movie or TV show, Disney plus series, talking about you know the racial implications of being captain america i think um like i appreciate that the show exists because it touches on those subjects um you know which i feel like i've said several different times and even even the lines from isaiah of like no self-respecting black man would hold that shield um i think there's some really powerful stuff but I do also wish that I kind of understood a little bit more about why Sam felt that he would take up that shield. Mm. And I think the more time that we keep kind of harping on would have, would have helped with that too. Yeah. I think Sam had one line right at the end there where Carly was like, Oh, when he shows up and she says, you, you bought into all that bullshit. And he said, I'm trying something, trying something new or something. Yeah. Uh, so she feeds him some line like that where he says, he's trying something new. And uh, that kind of helped bring it all home for me because I thought that he's 
he's pretty committed to not necessarily sticking to the same old reaction. Like you don't have to, like Isaiah would, would say like, you know, no self-respecting black man would pick up that shield. And you know, that that's how he thinks you should react because he's living through his experience. But Sam is, is forging a new path and saying that mm. there, there is a new way to react. There's a new way to, to step into the world and, and get done what you want to get done. And he's kind of carving his own path and it's, I can't think of anyone in the MCU that's better suited to do it. He's yeah. just he's just so good. Absolutely. And he can he does it all with a, with a with a little twinkle in his eye. It's just it's magic, man. <laughs> it's he's it's so a, good. It's, it's really honestly like something that like I don't think any of us expected Chris Evans to walk out of these 23 movies kind of being like a favorite in terms of like embodying Captain America, but the fact that like Anthony Mackie is getting there too. It's like, it's, it's like, yeah, he was the one who needed the shield. Like mm-hmm. it, it should have gone to him. It's kind of incredible. Um, yeah. And I, and yeah, we could go on and on about this, the, the things the show does right. And the things it does wrong. It's, it's a, it's a complex, it's a complex experience. And I, I, I definitely walked away really liking it and I'm excited to watch it again. I think there's, there's definitely more, there's definitely more pros than cons. Certainly, there's a lot of really fun performances. There's some cool action. Um, I I hope that there's another season of it, and I hope that it leans more into some of the the more espionage angles that a lot of these characters can explore. Especially considering Sam is it has no powers, mm-hmm. as he as he even stated, but he just is kick ass with a shield and with a pair of wings. Uh, but he's kind of a giant beacon now so it's harder for him to fly under the radar you know he he, that was kind of his thing before was he was kind of a a a, a recon and and stealth guy and watching him and buck kind of run around together and do some of that stuff was really really fun but now he's in a in a white costume and uh and he's captain america you can't take the can't take the light off of him so it'll be interesting to see if that's kind of the dynamic that cap and, and and uh Winter Soldier have in the comics when they do work together, which is not that common. Uh, by, I mean, Steve Rogers and Bucky, because Steve will often yeah. kind of be pulling the light, pulling the attention toward him, and Bucky can get a lot of stuff done behind the scenes and and in the background. And uh, that's a really fun kind of duality that they have. And I hope we get to see some more of that get explored. Uh, we do get a bit of it in the finale there, but some of it just gets so crazy and so um, just so much. Mm-hmm. That uh, it's not as effective. Um, I wish Carly had had a better story to deal with because I think she was really good. Yeah, um, Aaron, I forgot her name. The actress Aaron, Aaron Kellyman, I think. Yeah, she was really cool. Uh, <clears throat> I had a hard time with the show making the person who just wanted there to be no. I think a lot of her end goals were really noble, and um, mm-hmm. it was weird when the show kind of seemed to take this stance that she was the bad guy. But I think it was her methods, obviously. And, and it just, I don't know, it didn't really sit particularly well with me. The idea that she just, <sighs> that Zemo would be right about everything she was going to do and become more and more <laughs> extreme. I mean, that in and of itself is is fun and compelling and interesting when you've got a, when you've got a villain who is, is right um, and is so as compelling as Daniel Brühl is as Zemo. But I just wish that she had had a, a better... I don't know. Something about it wasn't satisfactory. And I do really like the dynamic that she and Sam had. And I like that he understood where she was coming from. And I think I understand why they think the life was, excuse me, 
why life was better during the blip because it seemed like the world was in a largely a more cooperative state mm-hmm. and people were moving about the world more freely. It was, a, didn't they keep calling it a world without borders or something yeah, like that? Yeah, that's true. Yep. You're right. And, and, and there, it was a time of more peace. And as soon as everybody comes dropping back in, suddenly everybody's taking up arms. Everybody's angry again. And the, uh, Ooh, the little, um, in the beginning of episode two or three, I don't remember which one where it had the little, uh, like TV promo for the, the program to re reinsert people back into the world. You remember what I'm talking yeah. about? It was like a little yeah. faux infomercial. Yep. Was so funny and so perfect. And I was like, this is exactly <laughs> the kind of just shitty propaganda that would get on TV to make you feel warm and fuzzy about the whole reintegration into society of, of all the people that were gone during the blip. But like the reality would be horrifying <laughs> mm-hmm. and like the, to the, to the slight perspective of a lot of the people, uh, the, the big, whatever government person he was at the end that said, you don't understand how hard this is and how complex this is and what an insane task this is to try to in, you know, reinsert a couple of billion people back into the world. Like, uh, he's, he's right. I mean, it's gotta be complicated, but Sam's right too. You gotta do better. You gotta try yeah. harder. You gotta dig deeper. You can't settle. And, um, I don't know that just, it's a shame because this show could, could have been a 10 out of 10. And, uh, it's sitting at like a good 7.5 for me, but yeah. still a great time. Still cool. Still a lot of forward momentum for a lot of these characters that needed it. But I wish it it had, like Sam said, do better. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully there's a season two and hopefully they get to continue a lot of these story and continue exploring a lot of these themes. Absolutely. Because I, I think that just because Carly's gone doesn't mean that the, the flag smashers are over. I mean, we saw them about to hatch the next phase of their plan before uh, Zemo's billion-year-old butler blew him up. Till <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Methuselah pulled the trigger on the bomb. That was amazing. When it when it cut to him good. in the car, I was like, "What?" And I just started laughing. I was like, "This guy." It was very good. Um, yeah. I, there's a couple other things I wanted to mention. I love that Batroc came back. Yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, he's not like the greatest actor in the world or anything, but it's just fun. No, but it's perfect. I appreciate them like really looking at who's on the table still and like utilizing them in fun ways. I think that's great. Um, what'd you think of Madripoor? I hear Madripoor might be more important to us in the future. But, I uh, hope it is. It should be. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. That was one of my, that was that episode three or four. I th- I think that's episode. That's three. I think that's episode three. Four, yeah. Four ends with, uh, with John Walker killing the flag yep. smasher. You're right. Yep. Um, yeah, that was probably my favorite episode. That was really cool. I, yeah. I thought it looked great. I liked seeing uh, Bucky have to be Winter Soldier again for a beat. That was neat. I liked Sam pretending mm-hmm. to be uh, uh, something Tiger. I don't remember what he was called. Yeah. That was so funny. <laughs> with it with a picture that looks like it's actually just a picture of him <laughs> like i don't know that it was actually a different person <laughs> I, I loved it at the bar when he's like the usual and he gives him the thing with the the, the snake yeah. <laughs> guts or or uh and he just goes i love these <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man that made me laugh so hard i uh, i love that was a great scene yeah, that that's the kind of good. stuff that I loved, though. Like the three, like Zemo taking them into the underworld and and watching them try to navigate this this uh, these criminal contacts and this uh, that I I could have done I could have had two or three full episodes of that. It For was sure. so cool. And then when they go into hiding uh, in Hungary, 
I don't I think re- so. I don't remember where they were. Yeah, and then the Dora Milaje showing up was awesome. Yeah, that was the other thing that I want to bring up was the Dora Milaje. I hear a lot of people potentially talking about uh, like a Dora Milaje centered show that Bucky Fuck. could also be in. That would be so cool. I think it'd be sweet. Um, they're I'd so totally they're so sweet when they show up and just work uh, John Walker. Uh, it was just so satisfying, and he just yeah. is, that was another great point too. You've got this guy who can't reckon with the idea that these women beat him at something, and <laughs> and even Bucky warns him. He's like, "Dude, don't mess with them. <laughs> they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna take you down a peg." <laughs> Well, and like the, um, uh, I know there was some Twitter stuff that popped up about like, uh, some, there was some, some dude was like, oh, they really did Bucky like that where they could just disable his arm. And then a bunch of people were like, yeah, how about like, if you deprogram some spy, like super spy, super assassin, would you maybe make sure that you could like, there's a fail safe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, but then also there's a moment where one of the Dormelage, I don't know if we learned the other two's names, um, but there's a moment where one of them picks up the shield while they're fighting John Walker. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, oh, it's so good because it's like, yeah, this is actually theirs because it's, it's fucking made out of their, yep. their fucking metal. So mm-hmm. that shit was awesome. Yeah, they're so cool. They they can walk anywhere in the in the MCU, and I'm into it. And they actually have that. She has Ao has that line right where she says the oh John Walker says you have no jurisdiction here. She says the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever they may find themselves or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so rad. I was like, yeah, you're that's right. And I you know it it's not the kind of thing that you should be comfortable with necessarily. Any force, no matter where they're from or how cool they look or how cool they are, saying like no, we're we do whatever we want, wherever we want, whenever we want. But at the same time, I was like, Hey man, they sell it. I'm into it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think we're largely in agreement. It's, I think it's, I think it's fun to watch. I think it's a fun watch. I think, uh, I think there's some really good bones in there. I just wish that, uh, I wish that the execution was a little bit better and, and, you know, maybe that was, Maybe that was COVID related, maybe not, but um, uh, it makes me very curious to see what that new Captain America might be, since Malcolm Spellman will be returning to write that uh, for for uh, you know Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson as Captain America. So. Yeah, that's I can't. That's gonna be really cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I hope they fix his mask a little bit though. They need that's uh, that was the last thing I wanted. The headgear, the headgear's not working. Like there are a lot of people that are kind of shitting on the costume. Literally, the only thing I don't like is the like cowl. Uh, Oh, me too. Yeah, the costume is awesome. Yeah, like when he showed up in it, I was like, sweet. Like it's cool that the wings are in the mix and everything. But the yeah, the headgear, the gambit headgear is not not cool. Doesn't work. And and the thing is, I get that they kind of they. Especially with like WandaVision, they kind of have embraced like the like they're they're starting to embrace the actual comic book costumes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But like that part of the Falcon costume is pretty dorky. Like it, it, was, just, does, it, does, it just doesn't make sense. Like he needs yeah. he needs to be able to turn his head <laughs> when, for sure when he's in flight. He needs to be able to look around. And I just right away, I just was like, nope, I can accept a lot of shit in this show. But this this headgear is throwing me, and the yeah. goggles fit weird too. I just thought he doesn't look like he he's been a very very much like form follows function kind of guy mm-hmm. in his uh, in his costume and everything. And this one, I was just like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> we may have hit a we may have hit a snag here. Yeah, I I will say the one the one last thing I will say that you made me think of is the moment with him 
uh, chasing after the helicopter and like talking to the yeah. woman who's was, flight train. Very cool. It was I awesome. Enjoyed that his crazy, that. his crazy move shooting through the helicopter itself and yes. ejecting that guy. And <laughs> yeah, all of Falcon's aerial action is often the coolest shit that's happening. The whole, his whole mm-hmm. intro scene in the first episode was really neat. Yes. Um, like I said, I texted you guys when I was watching the first episode. I said, whenever he uses the wings to block bullets, it's, it's the coolest thing. Like when he covers yep. himself with them as like protection. Uh, and there's even a, there's a moment where he deflects a helicopter in this episode, yes, or in, yes. the, in the finale <laughs> with the shield. And it's like, Oh, that's, that's great. That uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about all that, but sure. Why not? <laughs> I, th- I thought it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like when he's holding the, <clears throat> holding the Hummer or whatever up, by himself with a yeah. jetpack, I was like, I think this would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got rockets now, bro. He's got extra wouldn't, red wouldn't, wing rockets. Wouldn't it just rip his body away from the like? Wouldn't the jetpack just take off and <laughs> and like leave him as like scraping on the hood of the? I don't know. I just was like, I don't know if his body can actually tolerate this, but whatever. Yeah, I think I think I think <clears throat> that uh, ship sailed with Falcon a long time. ago. Yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> Physics yeah. don't apply. No. But yeah, uh, I think that's it. We're we're now at um, a third of the runtime of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I go. hope everybody has enjoyed the episode. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do next time. We'll have to discuss uh, discuss within our ranks to see what we want to do in terms of our next episode. We've kind of uh, kind of run out with a lot of the uh the the backlog and other things that we wanted to hit and some of the things that have come out as we started our our journey back into the film nerds so we'll figure something out but uh please make sure you follow us uh i think at midwest Podnet on twitter is the former film nerds account if you were following that we've changed it to that if you haven't been following it you can go there and we'll try to report out make sure you know what we uh cover next uh patreon.com slash midwest podnet please check that out consider giving us just a dollar a month we appreciate every cent that we can get from the patreon um and that'll give you access to early access to bonus episodes from horror movie yearbook and the midwest game nerds podcast please check those out and uh feedback at midwestfilmers.com let us know what you think of our show the things that we talk about we would appreciate hearing from you very much and uh yeah we'll talk to y'all next time Kyle XY, go watch a movie.